your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. This is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello to everybody, Zach. Grace and peace to all. So here we are. We're back. We took our of course we took our little hiatus, and we had a lot of stuff going on. And so the bush league can get really busy. Uh, I know you guys have heard about Zach being on the move here um, in uh, Oregon. My school is back in session, and so we're really busy and keeping rolling. So we uh, decided we're just gonna have to do it, and we're gonna get into chapter three of First Peter. So we're getting, we're pretty excited about that, and we'll get into that. We'll start reading it, and then we'll talk about it. We also have a question that was uh, posed about uh, John the Baptizer. What was his baptism all about? So we'll talk about that too. So John chapter three, uh, and we'll just read the whole chapter. So here it goes. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some Do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Much in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you were called that you may obtain blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Okay. It sounds like Amen, amen, amen. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like Did you a... did you just say baptism now saves you? I know, right? <laughs> Actually I didn't I didn't our our proto our our protogenitor uh, of the Bush League movement, Peter did. So uh, <laughs> he's the progenitor of the Bush League movement. And so we that would that would make a great bumper sticker too, one of those icons of Peter and 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 we could put old school Bush League. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few things here and uh a lot of people want to get stuck in the mud on this because uh, deep down we're all too we're all too we're all too raised to be too sensitive about this, but when uh, Peter's talking about wives, uh, and he's saying, and he's talking about to the being subject to them, meaning to uh, to say, look, you're the head of the household. I love you. I trust you. You can't have the word subject without the word trust. And when you see, and sometimes they even say that you are a blessing to your husband, who is not trusting in God. But the fact that you are trusting in God is a is a wonderful um, example for them, and so uh, if somebody is, you know, it's the it's the way of saying, and he says it here, don't repay evil with evil. So if your husband, even if he was a jerk, that doesn't mean you should be a jerk. Of course, we're not, you know, we're not saying you should be with a vicious, abusive husband. I'm just talking about you know old school jerk. So. Uh, do not let your adorning be external. How about this? This is another one where the legalists just lose sleep over it. Um, <laughs> they're like, don't let your adorning be external. The braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. So these are where the real legalist churches, they, these women go to church and they have no makeup and they just wear plain stuff and there's nothing and they're going, look how amazing I am because I don't adorn myself. And I said, yeah, but... You look like Little House on the Prairie, which really sticks out in the same way. Um, and so, well, we 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 can flip this back on men too, still using the order of creation given. So when it says likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, guys, that goes for you and the Lord. Yeah. Like you're the you're the wife of Jesus for men. You know what I mean? So it's like. You, you, your wife's subjection is the same subjection we're under to Jesus, right? And yeah. then talking about the adorning, you know, hipsters do it, right? Or, you know, you could accuse a guy like me, well, you're adorning yourself with tattoos, and other, right? But it's not about, that's not Peter's point, right? Peter's it's not. point is, why are you doing what you're doing, you know? I just like a lot of Jesus signs on me. Well, even so, even more so than oh. that. Um, if you're if you're wearing nice clothes, for example, which is basically what Peter's talking about here, 
he's saying that don't let that be what defines you. You know, it, it, you're adorning what makes you beautiful. And this is what really we're talking about. These things were worn to make you look beautiful. But the truth of the matter is, the, the what makes a person beautiful is the faith they have in Jesus Christ. And that's, that is, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. So now he starts talking about how faith is more beautiful than even gold. So, I mean, it's it, not, yeah, it's it, not it, a big exactly, leap. Exactly, but, you know, I would also say, you know, men nowadays, I don't think, you know, in the context of Peter's writing, that you had the cultural problem of men, but you see men's fashion now, right? Which, it's kind of like, ugh. You know what I mean? But, mm. you it kind of goes both ways, you know. Why, why put lipstick on the pig when when the real deal is the faith in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's that's the point. It doesn't it doesn't get any more important than that to say that you know, if you have nice clothes, so be it. But the but what makes you beautiful? If you're wearing this stuff to say I. This is what, this is who I am. I'm a fashionista. Well, you know what? That's a problem. But um, it, I also know women, heck, you know, I even work with some of them. They always look very great. They look professional. They look wonderful. But I also know them personally. And I know that even more so than how they look. These are women who are strong, faithful Christian women. And... And that's truly where their their adornment comes from. When you when you know these people that you work with, and you know how much they love Jesus and how important that is, well, then it doesn't matter. Even though they do wear nice clothes, those just float away, you know, off away, and you don't even think about them. And what you're what you say, what's great about this person is how much they love Christ. Yeah, and I think it's important to note the huge cultural context in which Peter's writing. It's 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 much different than our culture now. So when a woman wears these things or does these things, it's more to say I'm professional, as opposed to hey, look at me. Well, I don't, I disagree. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I was like, it's funny. There's this old joke that says, you know. When women go out and they're all dressed up, they're not dressing up for you. They're dressing up for each other. <laughs> and uh, I asked my, you know, like my sister, is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Because we want other women. Look, look, we want other women I'm to gonna, think I'm, you're beautiful. I'm going to take baby steps on this. I'm going to lay down a few pious rules, okay? Like the Council <laughs> of Jerusalem. Let's, uh, women, cover your, cover your cleavage and men. Don't wear skinny jeans. Those are my pious rules for now. Let's let's start there, right? Let's set a bar. If we could eliminate then, uh, skinny jeans alone, I, I I would I would say that we had made real progress. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I am telling you. So those those are the pious rules from the Bush League. Now yeah. on this, <laughs> we're gonna ask you guys to obey for. So, so you know, it's a it's a starting point. Yeah, yeah. So, and by the way, fellow Bush leaguers, realize how much Zach and I are talking with tongue in cheek right now. 
So, uh, because we haven't done a podcast together, we're joking around and we're yucking it up a little bit too. So you'll have to forgive us because Zach isn't just our my co-host. He's my he's my bud, and I'm excited to be uh, podcasting with him again. So, um, as we as we move on and on, uh, oh, my computer's doing some thinking. But um, as we as we look at this kind of stuff, it's it's not really. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not really that complicated. It's just, it's socially awkward because you know you, you want to jump to talking about the husbands, and I'm always I always say to people because I did this Bible study on Sunday. Uh, this was a few Sundays ago when we were on this one, but you know and the guys are always wanting to jump to the men. Yeah, but the men, you know, and they're trying to make excuses for everything that it says about the women and I go, "Well, let's just finish talking about the women first." And um and it's important because uh they they give you a very simple understanding of our relationship and words we've already done this on the podcast. Words like submitting aren't cuss words anymore because they're rooted in the faith in God and having a godly husband and even talking about even if your husband is having trouble with the the word that the women do serve as his helper as as god created to um point them to the faith and and so when we get to all this it's important to have this and and let all your hairs stick up on your neck and everything and finish talking about this because the truth of the matter is and likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way why because god just told them that this is how they're supposed to be with you it's not a complicated thing god lists out all these things and says this is how you're you should be with your husband and because god isn't zeus and he's not some unreal un you know he's not some unfair monster he tells the husbands who he also created Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Um, and this is a very unpopular sentiment right now. It wasn't unpopular in the 80s when I was a kid, but it is now. Since they are heirs with you to say that, you know what? When, you're, when you have a wife, she's somebody that you need to show honor. She's not your guy friend. She's a woman. And, and you need to treat her in a special way. And so you're, you're protecting of her, you're honoring towards her. And, and why in the heck would we do this? Well, Peter answers it. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. He sums it up so beautifully. All this stuff where women bristle over hearing this stuff about about oh my god you're actually being called to trust somebody and more than yourself your your old adam is getting called to the carpet and then he points to men you know what i've told them that this is how you're supposed to be but now listen men you also are on the chopper here because you have a responsibility as well and for as many men this makes them bristle too because they have some bizarre modern macho image of manliness that isn't something that's humble and Christian and things like that. And so they, they you know, it's only as far as the truck and tractor pull goes 
that they have their idea of manliness. And so there's a lot of things here that are going on, um, and it's pointing towards one very special word, faith. And so, and, and having faith in God is the only thing that makes any of this stuff make sense. Exactly. And I think to unlock Peter, what he's saying entirely here, as we've noted in the past, Peter is a, he's an Old Testament to New Testament kind of show you everything guy, how the, how the system works. But, you know, we got to go back to Genesis 3 and the curse the curse of man and the curse of woman, you know, that was justly given out for, you know, Adam and Eve's sin. And the, 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 the translation for the woman is you shall long for the husband all the, all the days of your life. But it means, it literally means like you will long to be him, but he shall rule over you. So, you know, the, the woman kind of has this, it's in her sinful nature, right, that, that she wants the headship but god says no the man will rule over you and then this is where the man needs to sit up and take note and say okay she's got this from genesis 3 this is this is her curse right that, yeah. that, that she fell into you know by her sin by the sin of her her parents and, and the sin of my parents and i need to treat this situation with all gentleness and respect for the weaker vessel because trust me guys you're not going to go if you go right to the text, it says, and, and don't ask me how I know this. You'll get smacked in the mouth. If you go to the one that says, well, Abraham, or Sarah called Abraham Lord, you know, why don't you start calling me Lord? You, you just, you skip the part about the gentleness and the respect. You, you totally <laughs> missed it. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting anywhere. You're not getting anywhere. You're going to make your wife double down. And, and rightly so, not rightly so, but I mean, if you're not treating her in gentleness and respect, if you're not setting the tone as the Christological, Christological figure in the relationship of marriage, then you're not gonna get you know the kind of love and respect back from her, you know that she's to show you. Yeah. So uh, don't don't be understanding and then tell them God thus saith. And you know what? They're gonna smell a rat, and they're gonna they're even if they did it, they would do it and resent you for it. And there, that is not being an understanding, honorable husband. And so, and believe you me, we all all husbands are uh, theologically in the doghouse and socially in the doghouse with our wives enough to where we're not we're not um, saying that. And, you know, if you're complaining about your wife not being like this as much, and, and if I looked at myself and I said, well, how are you doing on being uh, such a model? <laughs> I, I might tell you that I'm not doing super well. So it's to say that in an understanding way, people who are pointed towards Jesus are pointed towards forgiveness. So, I mean, honestly, I think that's enough to say on this. Because I, I swear, we, we can get stuck in a ditch on this where we're trying to, we're not trying to make excuses for why, why you know, we're not, we're not trying to make excuses and, and answer this like feminists, because we're not. You know, we're, we're answering this like biblical theologians and, and we're just, you know, keeping it simple. And we're keeping it bush league. So. Well, it, it just comes down to order of creation. This is the way God designed it, but really... Women, when it says to submit, 
It's because Christ is going to hold the man in a higher accountability on Judgment Day, right? And then it's like you said, look, don't don't point your finger at the other person first. Point your point the finger at yourself and say, "Am I doing this in gentleness and respect? Am I, you know, actually showing the love of Christ?" Right? Before I go, say, "Look, woman." You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not the way to handle the situation at all. <laughs> I feel like there's uh, a speck and a log uh, um, story to be told here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Take out the log from your own eye, and then you'll be able to help your brother see the speck in his. I mean, and and this is this is just it. So, men, you know, if you're not acting like Jesus, don't don't expect your wives to be submissive. Wives, don't be punks if your your husband's putting himself out there and acting, you know. Like a like a the the right Christological figure, submit to him. It's for your good. God gave him to you mm-hmm. for that purpose. Well, not rocket science, right? Not. Easy theology here. It's pretty bush league. It's right up our alley. Um, and so and then he says in verse eight, we have to keep in mind. Finally, all of you. Now we're all lumped in here together. Finally, all of you have a unity of mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called that you may obtain blessing. You know, and, and you know, he goes into this in a little bit more detail, but at the end of the day, both husbands and wives are called to this exact same thing, even though... It expresses itself differently in our vocations, as the previous verses say. Isn't it interesting that when we're all lumped into one category, these are the characteristics that we hold in common? And so it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to. Uh, it's kind of hard to say that you know, um, if you're this husband, that's so great, and you don't possess these qualities. Well, I'm really kind of questioning questioning how great of a husband you are and um and for the wives that don't possess these qualities you know it's really hard to imagine them being somebody who loves and trusts and submits to their husband so um it's interesting to say that these exact same qualities manifest in vocations differently spot on and i think uh you know what what we want to say with this is just um um, when it says unity of mind, you know, it's, it's, it's an orthodox mind. It's of one mind. And then, um, oh, I totally lost what I was going to say. I totally lost what I was going to say. Maybe it'll come back to me. It's a Bush league mind. <laughs> um, well, you guys have to a, remember it's later for Zach than it is for yeah, me. Yeah, it, it's late for Zach. Zach, uh, um. Oh, he's, he's out of it. <laughs> I'm just going to... Oh, Adam took the wheel from me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Old Adam, take the wheel. We still got to write that song. Um, so how about this? Um, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's it's a good old-fashioned exhortation. 
you know, saying that, hey, you guys, um, and James will say the same thing. Keep your, keep your tongue in check. You know, and for, for guys like me who are a big mouth, that is a tall order. And, um, and, and to speak and to seek peace and pursue peace. Well, when you're talking about a Christian, you pursue peace how? Well, by pointing people to Christ. He's the only way to ever have peace. And, um, not, and so it's kind of, it's a great thing. Whoever desires to love life and see old days, let them keep their tongue from evil. <laughs> Ah, you know what? I got back on track here, and this this coincides with everything. And and what I wanted to say was that this is not like a recipe for a happy, clappy marriage. And like like this is boom, you're 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 sinless now. Everything's gonna work. What this is is this is showing you the Christian life of confession and absolution. That's mm -hmm. what Peter's pointing you to. Well, sure. The life of I'm sorry. Wife, I was not a good husband. I'm sorry, husband. I was not a good wife. I forgive you. I forgive you. That's the unity of mind in Christ. The same way that Christ says, I forgive you. Right. Well, it makes it. Uh, it makes it. It makes it hard, like the, the next verse says. Um, now. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. So he even says, you know, uh, who's what kind of what kind of person goes? I mean, they really show their colors. If you are somebody who's zealous for doing good and somebody is attacking you for it, I mean, you really, you are really pulling the curtain back on those people and showing them for who they are. But he says that even when you give an account of the hope that is in you, do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ's name may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So, you know, have you ever met somebody? I mean, my wife is one of these people. That if somebody ever was just slandering her, anybody who knows her would look at them and say, Are you insane? Do you even know her? You know, something like that. You know, it's. It, I mean, it, there's these people that if you tried to, to diss on them, other people would say you're insane and um that's just you know and this is exactly what it's talking about when you have somebody who spends their life trying to do good and and people are aware of it and that they're being sincere <laughs> picking on them is just it's just bizarre and uh, but you can really tell how evil people are when they find somebody who's a who's a kind person, who's a loving person, who's a faithful person, and as imperfect as they are, really their reputation is quite good. And so, <laughs> and dissing on them, it's like it's like uh, it's like it's like dissing on chocolate or something, you know. And be going, yeah, chocolate's disgusting. Only losers drink eat chocolate. Pretty soon you're gonna have ten people at the airport who don't even know you going, what's your problem, buddy? 
<laughs> well, I, I think that's that's it. You know, when you when you see a person just talking ill all all the time of everybody else, you start to realize, man, that guy is a punk. You know, I just you don't even you you see the person for who he is. He's exposed himself. Yeah. Right. Not anyone else himself. And it's not like Peter doesn't understand suffering, what he's talking about. He's beaten by the Jews and he was crucified yeah. for what is good. So, you know what he says? Who is there to harm you before he tell us? Uh, Peter, you remember when the Jews beat you? <laughs> they <whipped> you. <laughs> when you were it's, in prison. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, even if you should suffer for righteousness' <laughs> sake, right? But he has the next clause. Even if you should suffer, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. You got Jesus. And again, he was pointing out those guys were jerks, and um, <laughs> even the even the you know when they didn't escape the prison and the prisoner, the guards about to throw himself on the sword, and they're like, he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't kill yourself. He's like, you didn't leave. Nope. Why? Cause cause I'm I was supposed to be here, and um, you know it's just crazy, but in the end. Uh, St. Peter does what he does so well. He bush leagues it all the way back to Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. So here we go. He's right back. And he, what does he do? He word and sacraments the end of the chapter. He points us to Jesus doing things for us that we do not deserve. Being made alive. I mean, this is all Pauline baptism talk does the exact same thing. Being put to death and made alive. And of course, Peter doing the same thing brings us in. He, of course, brings Noah into it because really... What does God do? He fashions a vessel, and from this vessel, the water that he's in, the water washes away all the sin. You know, and it's just incredible. And so baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. You know, and he's going, not this isn't a ceremonial washing, not removing a dirt from the body so that you can be clean enough to enter the temple, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Well, how do we have a good conscience? Our sins are forgiven. That's the only way to have a good conscience before God, is to stand there as one who's redeemed. That's the only way to have a good conscience. Otherwise, what's going to be bugging you? All my sins. And so a good conscience is one that's forgiven. Well, this this is perfect homiletics. So for, for the Bush League out there, homiletics, you know, the, the art or form of preaching, it's it, he, he's going on law 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 and then why right and he busts into this beauty gospel right yeah. uh, so this is why you should behave this way because Jesus died for you 
And then how does he give this to you? Baptism, which now saves you. Yeah. And it corresponds with the ark. So when we're, I, honestly, I mean, we got to spend two seconds here because I, I just don't see, you know, like the Reformed and, and the Methabapcostals. It's, it's just like, come on. It's, it's plain words. So let's, let's break it down just for a second. The ark, what happened? God was mad at mankind for their unfaithfulness and their wickedness and unbelief, period. Mm -hmm. He's like, I have to kill this because a good God must destroy evil, otherwise he's not good, right? But then he sees Noah and he's like, oh, Noah has faith. He's righteous, mm -hmm. righteous by faith. So he's like, I'm going to take Noah and his family and put them on the ark. The ark is a picture of Jesus doing what? Saving the church, the believers, through the wrath of God and coming out the other side onto a new creation, right? Yeah. Eight souls and all. Now, Jesus, that ark, is putting you through the water with his word, drowning the old Adam and bringing you out the other side as a new creation in him. And, you know, the, the eight souls corresponds with circumcision on the eighth day being the mark of the covenant and the resurrection of Christ, the eighth day, signifies the new creation. You're being drowned in God's wrath on sin, but made alive in the Spirit. Exactly what he's saying. That's how baptism, which corresponds to this ark, now saves you. Mm-hmm. Again, not, not, uh, not, it's not complicated to have a straightforward reading of this. And it is very complicated if you need to have um, Aristotle and Plato defining what this spiritual washing is and blah, 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 blah. But if you're letting Peter, who's Semitic and not Plato, <laughs> you're going to get a more straightforward answer. So, and I love, I love this... Um, and he says, uh, appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, it's Jesus doing the work that gives us a good conscience. Who And um, by the way, there was, a, there was some people that were curious about the, um, the preaching to those in prison. And there's this long thing that Luther did on this that I thought was really interesting was... It's, it had to do with the asking of was Jesus descent into hell because of uh, punishment and Luther argues and I think he's correct that the descent into hell was a victory lap. And oh absolutely and that's what the text is saying. He's like uh, he went down why to preach to them because they formally did not obey. He's preaching he's preaching what? Himself. Hey guys I did what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Look at my, my word abides forever. And then I love what you're saying about the clean conscience because if anyone wants to argue this, man, we have it so simple. The Lord has given us such a blessing. We have it so simple. Hey, how do you have a clean conscience? Oh, you're baptized. That's how, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you put on Christ. But, you know, if you go back to Leviticus, there's a guilt offering, man. Like if you're, <laughs> you had guilt over sin, you had to bring you had to bring a bull or a goat, and, <laughs> and you have it slaughtered, just have your guilt removed. 
Yeah. And God's like, here, have some, have some Jesus, have some grace, and we're just like, oh, no big deal. I mean, but when you compare the two, it's like, really? These other guys had to go way out of the way, you know, to to have their guilt removed. You know what I mean? And and all of that just pointed. And, and look what happened. They just had to keep coming back with more animals because of the guilt of sin, yeah. which magnifies the gospel of Jesus Christ showing, look at the beauty we have in Jesus and the simplicity that he gives us the grace, like, bam, because he's that perfect of a sacrifice. Right. Oh, and amen to that. Because there's, once again, this is Christianity in a nutshell. For you Bush Leaguers out there, for all you people who are far greater theologians than we are this isn't for you because we're going to keep it simple christianity is an in the nutshell is the good conscience we are given from jesus uh through baptism on account of his death and resurrection um that is christianity in a nutshell and the 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 life that we live is all a reflection of the light of christ and so and Peter just nails it. This is why we have to, this is why Lutherans have to take First Peter back. And that's why we're doing it. Because he is not just pointing us to uh, living your best life now garbage. He is pointing us to Jesus and showing us a holistic approach of showing our whole life in Christ. And, um, but Peter, uh, being the, the OG Bush Leaguer, um, keeps keeps pointing us to Christ. Even though he talks about other stuff, he never lets us forget that all of this is orbiting around Jesus. <laughs> and so, you know, so even talking about wives and husbands, this isn't a passage on wives and husbands. This is a passage on the life of Christians who trust in Jesus. And, um, you know, because people want to take this and just compartmentalize it and it's and this is why you know women are basically taught to hate certain bible passages because they believe that they're about them and not about jesus so um it's, it's yeah yeah and that's exactly what i was doing in the beginning is is you know men could be inserted in the wives part as we submit to christ i mean that's the role of the man to jesus you know if you want to look at it from another perspective right mm-hmm it's the, the that oh I mean in order for me to be the head of every woman is the man and the, the head of Christ is God. Right. This is the this is the role that, that God has set up. So if, if you think that that woman's at the bottom of the totem pole, man's right there at the bottom. Yeah. You just put this as they men submit onto Christ. Yeah, it's like trying to say uh, what's more important. So. What's more important, police or fire? <laughs> well, no, each is a blessing according to their vocation. And so, uh, you, you know, and for the people, and this is a very satanic and secular view, they do what you just, what you just made a joke about. They try to turn this into uh, some sort of battle or some sort of competition when in reality... We're looking at people in terms of vocations, both of them being under Christ. Well, and if people are reading the scriptures like like that to, to nitpick parts they don't like, 
you might as well just stop because there's a lot of hard to swallow words like uh, you shall not commit idolatry you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God yeah. you shall remember the Sabbath like all of that is going to totally trigger you because we're guilty exactly and, as Paul says if we judged ourselves we would not be judged so one of the first things a recent convert has to do is come to the grips that they're just straight up evil and that's when the beauty of the gospel shines on you. Right. When it just that's when Jesus could come in and say, I got you, dude. When people are terrified by their sins, the only comfort they should have is Jesus Christ's forgiveness. Because somebody who's truly terrified by their sins is um trying you know they're they're gonna try to fix it themselves and not gonna work so definitely so with that being said this is the end of uh chapter three but we had an interesting question one that i believe in my humble opinion that one of the uh patriarchs of the lutheran church missouri synod has done an excellent job answering but since the question was asked in good order in the group, uh, we'll bring it up. And of course, it's Christopher Hogan because the dude is an amazing question asking machine. And so he's talking about Acts 8, 12 through 16. And it's talking about the, the baptism reference in Jesus' name that did not include the Holy Spirit as in verses 15 and 16. And people are saying... Uh, it, is it for the forgiveness of sin or is it uh, is it a baptism like Jesus, you know? And, and they're, they're trying to find a way to say, is this good or not? And I really think that's the problem that people are having is, is they're saying, so what's up with John's baptism? And in our tradition in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we have um, an author uh, uh, by the name of Francis Pieper who wrote some pretty good stuff on this. And, um, and basically, he goes into it. And if you have volume three in it, it's on page 298. Um, the, he talks about the baptism of, of John. Now, John goes and we have to use his words. So he, he goes and he baptizes people for the of repentance for the remission of sins. So the washing baptisma um, metanoias ice officine kai kai hamarton hamartion. So it is for the um, forgiveness of sins, but they go, well, what about the the baptism? Uh, the, what about the Holy Ghost that comes with the promise of baptism? Well. What you have here, and, and I'm getting, I'm crediting Zach because he kind of, he used these words, is you're talking about two covenants that are here. Because remember, John, it, he tried to deny that he was Elijah, but Jesus corrected us on that. And um, he is doing Old Testament sacramental stuff. And it is, it, it comes with the authority of God's word. So why is it effective? Because it is comes with God's seal of approval on it. And what is it for? Repentance for their forgiveness of sins. For their re um, and so when people are saying, well, is it the same one as Jesus's? No, because um, uh, 
But is it for the forgiveness of sins? Yes. But remember, as Zach, by the way, had an awesome, uh, he had an awesome tirade on this about bringing bulls to the. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, this is what this is. This is them saying he's preparing them for Christ. This is your sins are forgiven. Jesus is coming. Trust in him. And there is no conflict here, people. Because in Matthew 28, we see uh, Jesus talking about what it is, what his baptism means. So take John's baptism for what it is, what literally the Bible says it is, a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, and take Jesus' baptism for what it is. That's the baptism we have today, by the way. Nobody has a baptism like John's anymore, just so you know. He... he 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 got a he got a pretty harsh severance package, and then he went to <laughs> and then he went to be with our Lord, which is where he is today. So um, so when it comes to John the Baptizer, um, keep in mind he came in and he had a baptism from God, as the scriptures clearly point out. It was not the same baptism that Jesus did. But it was for the forgiveness of sins. And so I just realized there are things about it that are similar, but they're not the same. But they're both good. We're not going to put them at odds with each other. They're both good because God himself is who who sent them to happen. And so pretty much if, if, you, if you, you could lose your mind on stuff like this because you're not, you're not thinking like a bush leaguer. You're trying to be a philosopher. And so you can. Well, look- I, I think we can make it a little simple. Th- let's think about this now. Let's think about this. Israel, when when they they had the forgiveness of sins, they had to go through all sorts of means, sacramental means laid out by God in the old covenant, and then. Where John appears, the, the beauty of John is you have God's word attached to the promise and all they got to do is get wet. So believing in the word with the physical element gives the person what God promised. They don't have to go to the temple and make a sacrifice and do all the other washings and things that the Old Testament people are required to do. And these things only show you without Jesus how does a, a holy God dwell with an unholy people? You have to just have a river of blood flowing constantly because of the fall of mankind. Again, the beauty in Christ is that. So John is that kind of intermittent prophet between the old and the new showing the beauty and grace of Jesus. Hey, guys, you want the forgiveness of sins that God's offering? Just come get wet. Yeah. That's it? So there's the beauty. It's and, and the Holy Spirit does not come until after. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit's always in the church, but we mean like the special coming of Pentecost and by baptism. This is only after the resurrection, once Christ has fulfilled the new covenant. Now, I honestly believe it's exactly what he said on the night he was betrayed. He said, take, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is the blood in the new covenant, right? But regardless, there's different theories on when it actually happened. We're just going to keep it bush league and say when Jesus said it did. 
We have to remember non-linear. We're dealing non-linearly. Yeah, so he institutes baptism in the New Testament after the resurrection. John is pre-resurrection. Right. Two different covenants, two different baptisms, still get forgiveness of sins in both, but the one in Christ is always better because it's the application of Christ's work, where John is the promise of God attached to the element as it was stated. That's it. I don't think I don't think it gets any clearer than that. And uh, so I'm definitely I definitely absolutely amen to that. So with that being said, uh, this is uh, this is bringing us to a close to our podcast. And again, uh, Chris, you you did a great job. Uh, you you asked a great question, and we're glad you did it. And so we'll definitely you know keep it up in all of the podcast. Um, listeners, find the group Lutheran Stuff, no drama uh, We welcome you there And it's great that we're back In the podcast